0: I had intended to do a follow-up, a part two, to the What is the Deal with Our Feet episode. But a couple of things happened that led me to this. A slight deviation and an unintended deeper dive into Sigmund Freud. Yes, Freud. The man who had the theory that foot fetishes exist because feet look like penises. And to reiterate, I have never thought that. Welcome to Making Shapes, the podcast that draws connections between all forms of art and wellness. I am your very slightly under the weather host, Kit Fihun, and I am looking forward to sharing this month's show. Let's get this out of the way first. Freud is problematic, to say the least. Anything I say, anything I chat about moving forward is specific to the better part of him, if it can be called that, the uh, contributions he made that we still use today. The man did contribute more than just the foot thing. And after fracturing my big toe about a month ago, points to anyone who can message me what the importance of the Big Toe is, I got to thinking about those actual contributions.
1: In the, because I read a lot of Freud as I was studying different um, subjects. Yes. and um, And, you know, what I realized is that there was a lot of what Freud wrote about um that I I basically um don't, don't it doesn't really make sense to me. I think mm-hmm. he I think what happened, and this is my own opinion, and I'll just mm-hmm, tell you. Mm-hmm. I didn't introduce myself, but I'm just but we could you. do that. We
0: could do that. Friends, this is Joyce. She is a wonderful client and student of mine who I found out is a retired psychologist. And she agreed, after me maybe kind of sort of stalking her for a little bit, to join me for a quick chat on Freud. She mentions it, but I will reiterate for clarity, this is her personal take on Freud as someone who has studied him, but didn't use his methods in her own practice.
1: But but what I realized as I was thinking over the years from my reading and from from working with people and from my own my own uh, psychotherapy, which I was mm-hmm. I participated in, I realized that there was there were pieces of what Freud discovered that I think are brilliant, and I think it made uh, an a, an extremely important impact on the history of of psychology and mm-hmm. uh, psychiatry, and the the basic concept that I. I value is he came up with this idea of the unconscious.
0: Via verywellmind.com, the unconscious mind is defined as a reservoir of feelings, thoughts, urges, and memories that live outside of our conscious awareness. So it's Freud's theory of personality, essentially with him believing that though unconscious to us, our mannerisms, our affects, our daily behaviors may reveal things to the astute observer, like Freud himself, or maybe Sherlock Holmes. Freud wasn't the original discoverer, is that? something to say, discoverer of the unconscious mind. That honor is actually held by a psychoanalyst or a psychotherapist or a psychologist, whatever he was calling himself, named Pierre Janet. And he was a French, oh, psychiatrist. I could have just said psychiatrist. But Freud took things to the next level. He dived in a little bit deeper. And I'll let Joyce explain a little bit more about that. I kind of wrote this
1: down, so I'll sort of read what I what yeah. I wrote because I thought uh, I thought I was trying to articulate in, in my for myself that yeah. we sometimes feel when we're growing up angry or upset at other people uh, when we have unpleasant experiences with them. But as small children, our lives depend on those people taking care of us, so we're afraid to let them know what we're feeling. And we try to put these feelings out of our minds and this is what freud calls repression and there's other okay. terms too where you put things out of your mind and you don't you're not conscious of those feelings um and what happens Because the child is afraid, say, to tell the parent that they hate them or they're angry at them because they could be abandoned or the child is afraid that the parent won't take care of them anymore if they knew what they were feeling. So you distort the feelings get internalized, you you feel them, but you can't express them. And they come it some it it comes out in other ways. These feelings come out in other ways uh, as you grow up, distorted from the actual cause.
0: So Freud has his theory and a plan of action around this concept of the unconscious mind. Today we know, and by we, I mean, once again, the mental health professionals, know that there is an unconscious mind, but it doesn't quite work the way Freud thought it did. However... There are so many nuances when it comes to understanding the brain. I would say that no one really does understand the unconscious mind. We're all in this together, right? Recognizing, but not knowing. And I say all of this as a person who has anxiety. A lot of times people will conflate anxiousness with anxiety, and they're not wrong on a surface level, but anxiety, the state, sometimes referred to as a disorder, is no joke. My anxiety reveals itself in closed spaces, but not always or all the time. I've had panic attacks on the subway, and yet I've been taking public transportation in large cities on four different continents during notorious rush hours since I was six years old without issue. You'd think I'd have problems on planes, and you'd be wrong, but leave me in a long line at a grocery store too long, and I might flip grocery carts to escape the building. I have no idea why this happens to me. I have no idea the reasons I've had to deal with anxiety over the years. I don't even know my triggers. I mean, I used to mosh and go clubbing and get stuck in huge crowds at outdoor concerts and be like, yeah, meh, whatever. When's the next show? But at least, I guess, I have started to recognize the physical warnings mostly. And this is where I find Freud's foray into the unconscious mind fascinating because it was the first step to acknowledging the power of our nervous systems. So before I go down a short well of nervous system info, I would like to acknowledge the Surrealists. The Surrealists came about with Dada artists seeking ways to experiment with free thought. And uh, there was a poet who actually kind of co-led the way into the Surrealist movement. So a direct quote from MoMA Learning uh, is many of the tenets of surrealism including an emphasis on automatism experimental uses of language and found objects had been present to some degree in the dada movement that preceded it however the surrealists systemized these strategies within the framework of psychologist sigmund freud um, so they specifically referenced freud but only one part of it which was his dreams like dreams and the subconscious mind. So they love the idea that we could be living in this one plane with a whole different plane of existence happening inside of our minds. And the surrealist movement was dependent on finding out ways to connect with that subconscious, finding out ways, how could we express what we didn't know? The center of surrealism was, of course, Paris, which is the center of many movements. Um, and they they actually split up into factions. It was sort of like it became this club. It became this uh, sports team of artistic movement. And so this is something I, I actually don't want to get too deep into. But they had the Surrealist Manifesto, so kind of like the Communist Manifesto. They had two versions of the surrealist manifesto released by the two different factions um so i just think it's actually really funny that an artistic movement could be split apart like that like a political rivalry or group but that just goes into the idea of competition amongst humans you know what i mean it just happens we're human beings we just have to do it So with these movements, right, with these two different factions of surrealism, it's not like they just came out and said, this is surrealism and we are it. They actually developed exercises or ways to tap into their subconscious. And there is a website called IDEO.com where I'm pulling this from. But these are five creative exercises from the surrealists. Um, Salvador Dali is a very famous surrealist, Max Ernst, which I actually did some paintings inspired by Max Ernst in college for a friend of mine's play. Um, it was the backdrop and yeah, it was hard to tap into the subconscious mind with that. I had a deadline with it, but I understood the concept. The play was actually um, really well not matched, where actually I should say the scenic background was really, mal-watched, really well matched with the play, not vice versa. But here I am making it just about my backdrops. Anyway, so back to the exercises that the surrealists use. And these are exercises that we, we can actually still use today. Um, they're common when we're trying to get into a more meditative state. They're actually common when it comes to journaling. One of the exercises is called word spinner. And you make a list of 16 words that you find interesting and you list them or you number them, you put them in order and you cut out a piece of paper. You write the numbers that you have, those 16 numbers, um, and you stick a pencil through the paper to create a spinner. So it's kind of, you're making like a board game. So it's a circle that you cut out, you number it like a clock, you stick a pencil through it and you spin it to generate three numbers. And from those three numbers, you write a poem. Or you paint something. So that doesn't this already sound familiar? I mean, if you guys ever do like journaling exercises or like group group exercises, group practicums. The second option is automatic writing. Um automatic writing is basically free thought of writing. You just go into a room, you get a blank piece of paper, you give you time it. Um, this is very common in writing exercises if you're drawing a blank page or a blank slate when you actually have to finish something. Um, So you set your timer and you write without pausing for that period. This is very common in writing workshops. There's the surrealist collage. So surrealism, which also comes from Dadaism and Dada, the Dada movement started using different materials. This is where photo collage uh, started appearing as mainstream art. Um, And if you go to MoMA, you can see some that I consider better than others. There are many feelings I have about MoMA's collection, as as many artists have <laughs> about MoMA's collection. But you have the Surrealist collage. And Max Ernst invented this technique. And you cut out imagery from magazines, from newspapers. You source whatever you want. And you stick them all down on a piece of paper. And you try to let your mind just flow with whatever kind of organization of these images that you've cut out and you take a step back and you see what you've created so surreal collages right there's an um an exercise called called frottage and it is a found image technique um so instead of cutting images from magazines you take a blank piece of paper and you draw uh, you make textural drawings. And I used to do this as an exercise uh, in my fine art drawing classes. So it's a way that I used it was a way to warm up my hands before like participating in three hours of sketching and drawing. But you get your hands familiarized with texture and with sensation. And why I think this is interesting is when the hands warm up, you know, the fingers are the nerves are connected to the spine to your cervical spine the cervical spine is close to the brain so i already am like this is amazing for neuroplasticity okay this is something i've actually never heard of i'm going to read it here the fifth exercise is called the exquisite corpse Um, and i'm reading this directly it says the most famous of the surrealist games which i've never heard of it so is it the most famous who knows the Exquisite Corpse is an example of a chain game, a game in which a piece of creative work is passed from one player to another. This one began life as a writing exercise with players taking turns writing nouns and verbs. The game gets its name from the sentence that came from the first time it was played. The Exquisite Corpse shall drink new wine. Never heard of it. So I this can't be the most famous. Um, it, Again, quoting, over time, the game morphed into its better known sketching form in which players fold a piece of paper so that one person can sketch a head, the next a body, the last one legs. Okay, so I am familiar with that. I've never actually done it because I always thought it was annoying. Um, And it was just too game playing for me. I'm not opposed to games. But if I'm trying to get a drawing done, uh, interacting with too many people actually distracts me. So that's... That's the five surrealist techniques that they use. And they sound... The autonomic nervous system is part of a whole series of nervous systems, but it directly influences our sympathetic, our parasympathetic, and our enteric nervous systems. Sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight response. And this can go into anxiety, which goes back to sometimes I have no idea why I'm feeling anxious and it contributes to our parasympathetic nervous system. So this is our nervous system that is responsible for our rest and digest where sometimes we are inspired by our environments without really paying attention and we don't understand why we feel so calm which goes into like essential oil diffusers. The smell of lavender can inspire a calming response. Why? There's more information on that. I'm not going to go into it. But this is how we can have um, peripheral inspirations that can help us either go into parasympathetic or sympathetic nervous responses. That is Where the surrealists come into Sigmund Freud's idea of the unconscious or subconscious mind. Now, when it comes to Freud's techniques itself, or Freud's techniques themselves, I apologize. um, Amongst the mental health community, what he did has actually changed. There have been advancements, um, and things that you know people like the idea of the subconscious, but they don't use the techniques that he used this is a broad discussion about freud i have links in the show notes where if you would like to read more about this those are the links that i used and if you're like me you'll you can probably like spear off into all of these different things but it's fascinating the mind is fascinating um again the more i read about freud i did find him problematic um But I also found, like, how he has directed certain things to be an interesting path to look at. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and going on this journey with me. I tried to keep it short. I hope it's been informative. If you would like to support this show, please check out the links in the show notes. Uh, take a class with me, go to PilatesDojo.com. And until next time, friends, be well, stay awesome. P.S. This is what Joyce says about me. I just, just want to put this out there. All right. Ciao.
1: And I love having Kit, kit to be my, um, keep my body uh, tight and you, so, know, <laughs> good. I, Shame, you know shameless
0: but, plug I'm totally keeping that that whole thing <laughs> this will be a review <laughs> about me
1: <laughs> right <It's terrific laughs> for me. so and I recommend it to everybody